Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This story happened just this summer. I'm only now getting around to writing it down as well. So I would consider myself an outdoorsman. I grew up in the sticks and I've spent a lot of time wandering in and enjoying the backcountry. I'm older now and have settled down in the suburbs. Wife, two boys, a house, a dog, a desk job, the whole suburban shtick. I want opportunities for my kids that come from suburban life, but I also want them to grow up with an appreciation for the outdoors. So when my oldest son was big enough for his first solo father-son camping trip, I was really excited. My wife and youngest son stayed home for this midsummer trip and it was going to be a great bonding experience for me and my son. Because my son is just five, I didn't want to do anything too extreme on our first big solo camping trip. We needed a place that wasn't too deep in the Colorado Front Range, but still allowed for dispersed camping. I don't consider camping in RV parks or established campgrounds to be actual camping. I mean, you might as well just be in a motel watching TV. Camping at most is a tent, sleeping bag, and a fire for sure. A dispersed camping area called Gordon Gulch, west of Boulder, caught my attention because of this. I had never been to this area before. There were no facilities and it was dispersed enough that you couldn't see or hear other campers nearby. My son and I had a blast that day. We set up camp, collected firewood, went for a hike, saw a moose and a bobcat, tried a little fishing as well. And finally, as the sunlight faded, we returned to our campsite to light a fire. We had a very traditional and nutritious camping meal of fire-burnt hot dogs and marshmallows. It was a good day, really, and definitely a core memory for both my son and me. The perfect first camping experience for a preschooler, really. Or so I thought. So, after all that fun, my son and I were pretty exhausted. It was time for bed, and the sound of an evening summer breeze through the pines is better than any commercial sleep aid. I don't even remember drifting off. It was a, a hard, dreamless sleep that only physical exertion can really bring on. One thing about my son is that he inherited many things from me. Hair color, eye shape, disposition, and my usual wide feet, but one peculiar thing he got from his mother was sleep talking. It's not unusual to hear him having full conversations in his sleep. It gets more pronounced when he's overly tired. But I was catapulted out of the void of sleep. Not sure what aroused me, but 
I sat up collecting myself. The world seemed to be at peace. It was quiet, just me and the breeze through the treetops. I couldn't figure out what actually woke me so suddenly like that. But the sound of my son laughing in his sleep cut through my groggy confusion. It was a deep belly laugh. Must be a fun dream, I thought hazily. I gently rocked him, and that was enough to quiet him down. That must have been what startled me, I determined. As I sort of repositioned to fall back to sleep, my son burst out laughing. I sighed and closed my eyes. He'll quieten down soon enough, I thought. He laughed again, but this time his laugh was echoed by something outside of our tent. I held my breath and listened, unsure of what I just heard. It wasn't an echo though. There was something out there and it was laughing in unison with my son. My grogginess vanished as the adrenaline began to pump. It couldn't be real. It had to be my imagination, surely. I sat up in my sleeping bag listening to the night Hearing nothing after a minute, my muscles relaxed. I started to settle back down. I, I must have been hearing things. I mean, I was tired after all. Checking the time, I saw that it was four in the morning. The sun would be up in a couple of hours. My son laughed again, and again it was answered with laughter outside. I was now absolutely certain that that was not an echo. As I tried to make sense of what was happening, the voice outside called my son's name. And at that, my blood ran cold. That voice, it was so familiar. Then it clicked in my brain. It was the voice of my younger son. That wasn't at all possible though. He was safe at home with my wife, miles and miles away. I could hear twigs crunching beyond our thin nylon tent walls. It was impossible to tell the distance from us, but there was something out there circling us. Unprompted this time, it called out my son's name in that little toddler voice. My five-year-old, still fast asleep, called out to his brother, asking him to play. The thing outside the tent laughed in reply and urged my son to come outside. That thing with my little son's voice sounded cold though, sort of hollow, dead. The floodgates of my adrenaline burst open at this. Cold sweat formed on my face. I was frightened out of my mind, but my primal caveman brain roared to life all of a sudden. I was in papa bear mode and nothing was going to take or hurt my son. I was putting a stop to this and whatever it was that was out there, I didn't care. You don't mess with my kids. Say what you will as well, but when you're camping miles from anything, it's not worth the risk of being unarmed. Wild animals, wild people, you have to be prepared. I almost always take a firearm with me when I'm camping. Pepper spray and bear bells are great, but nothing gets attention from a conscious threat faster than the sound of chambering around. I spoke loudly into the night that I had a gun and was coming out. I hoped that the fear in my voice was masked by my aggressiveness. The only reply was the breeze through the treetops. My son was still asleep, thankfully. Kid's a hard sleeper, another trait from his mum. My wife and I joked that he could sleep through a tornado, in fact. 
Stepping out into the cool summer night though, a gun in one hand and a flashlight in the other, I surveyed the campsite. The fire was now down to embers. Our fishing gear was leaning against the pickup. The firewood was still neatly stacked and really nothing seemed out of place. Not wanting to stray far from the tent or my sleeping son, I sat down inside the entrance. I waited in the dark with the flashlight off and it was then that not far into the trees I heard a branch break. Then another snapped and this time it was closer. I stood up and flashed my light in the direction of the sound but nothing was there. The voice then called out, this time from behind and this time seemingly focused towards me. Daddy, Daddy it said. It was my youngest son's voice again, crying out for me from the dark forest. I threw the light beam in that direction. A pair of shimmering green eyes were illuminated by my flashlight all of a sudden. They were only two or so feet above the ground though, the same height as a toddler. I took a small step forward. I wanted to see more. I needed to see more. The eyes, unblinking, remained in place. Getting closer, though, didn't seem to help reveal this thing. In fact, it was weird. It seemed to absorb the light from my flashlight, almost devouring it. I couldn't make out its size, shape, or color. It seemed to swallow up the light all around it, save for its two shimmering green eyes, obviously. But that thing, whatever it was, laughed in its hollow toddler's voice, this time with malice and cruelty in it. The eyes never looked away from me, never blinking, focused only on me, almost like a predator before the pounce. Not wanting to give up any ground to a predator, I stepped forward again. It didn't move. Not knowing what to do, I screamed as loud as I could. I waved my arms, trying futilely to shoo it away. The eyes shimmered and as I stared back, the eyes shifted from green to amber. I watched as they began to rise up into the air and it was now apparent to me that this thing, whatever it was, had been crouching and was now standing up. I could only watch in silent terror as the eyes finally stopped rising, nearly 10 feet off the ground at this point. The night air erupted with a deep growl. I could feel the vibrations in my guts. I couldn't see a mouth, but I could hear teeth sort of snapping and gnashing. My son in the tent behind me began to scream at this point. That was the only time the eyes lost focus on me and shifted towards the screams of my kid. My only reaction was to fire my gun into the air. The eyes immediately vanished. My ears were ringing, but I could hear the growls turn to shrieks, followed by a cacophony of crashing branches and undergrowth. I stood there until I couldn't hear the shrieking anymore. It trailed off deep into the trees. I was left with only the sound of the breeze in the treetops and the quiet sobbing of my kid. Twilight was beginning to illuminate the forest. Shaking and somewhat exhausted now, I sat down in the dirt in front of the tent and I tried to collect myself. Daddy? Daddy, where are you? My five-year-old shouted. That got me out of my daze. I picked myself up and went into the tent to retrieve him. Putting him in the truck, I locked the doors and 
I wasted little time breaking down camp. We were out of that camp and back on the road by the time the sun broke over the horizon. Now, I have no idea what is in those woods. I do plan to camp in that area again, albeit without my family, and definitely with some friends this time, because I really want to find out more about this thing. Thankfully, my son doesn't seem phased by anything that happened that night. He thinks that I was chasing a bear away from camp, and who knows, maybe, maybe he's right. I hope he is anyway. My son can't wait to go on another camping trip, but truthfully, I'm thinking that the next family camping trip might actually be at an RV park, or maybe even a motel. After all, that is family camping, right? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What comes to mind when you picture the perfect roommate? One who comes when you call? One who doesn't forget to lock the doors? One who doesn't steal your milk just a little bit at a time, hoping you won't notice? At Apartments.com, they understand that. When it comes to roommates, a pet can be your best bet. They're easygoing, eat what you serve them, and never clog the toilet. That's why they have the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. And with instant alerts, you'll know the moment your perfect, pet-friendly place becomes available. So, when you need a place that's pet-friendly and human-tolerant, check out Apartments.com, the place to find your pet-friendly place. So I went out to one of those sort of abusive wilderness programs for troubled teens when you're backpacking through the Utah desert. And while out there, we stayed one night near some Native American ruins. Before we settled into our camp, we went to go to look at them and were told, like we always were around sites like this, not to touch anything, only to look and definitely do not take anything. Majority of us did just that. We looked around a bit while being respectful for maybe 15 minutes and then went back to our camp to finish doing what we needed to do. We were sleeping in an A-line shelter that night, so we were all in a straight line side by side. Because it was an A-line shelter, both ends were just open to the darkness and because we had one male staff and one female staff, both adults had to be on one end with the female separating the rest of us from the male consequently leaving the kids on the other end completely exposed. But anyways, the rest of the evening was pretty uneventful and we went to sleep like normal. In the middle of the night, I got awoken up by the kid to my left shaking me awake, telling me that they keep hearing something hitting our shelter. 
I'd been out there for a decent amount of time at that point and immediately told her that it was probably just an animal or the wind making a branch hit it or something and to just ignore it and go back to sleep. She was super insistent though that it couldn't be any of those things and begged me to stay up for a few minutes to hear what she was talking about. So I agreed under the condition that she would go back to sleep and leave me alone if I didn't hear anything in five minutes. I don't even think it was a full minute after I said that before something hit against the side of our tent right at my feet very hard. It sounded like someone open palm slapped the side of our tent in fact. Hard enough that we saw the tarp sort of bow in under the pressure. We sat in complete silence listening to whatever it was circling our shelter and periodically slapping it in the different places, first by my feet, then my staff's feet, then their heads, then my head, before moving to slap above the heads of the kids, who apparently took the pottery from that place before circling to slap at their feet. It just kept going around and around and we started trying to figure out what to do. I told her to wake up the staff and that was when she told me that she tried waking them up first before she woke me up and that they had told her to just go back to sleep and ignore it. We decided that the best thing to do was to wake up the girl to my right and tell her what was going on. She stayed awake and heard the slapping that we were hearing and then tried waking up the staff telling them that we weren't joking and that there could be someone in our camp. They didn't take her seriously either, telling us to stop making things up and to let them sleep. At that response, the girl to my right just said to heck with it, that if we were going to be killed by a madman, she'd rather it happen in her sleep anyway. Real of her, to be honest. And she rolled over and did just that. I didn't know what else to do, so I told the kid who woke me up that the girl to my right was probably onto something and that we should just try to get some sleep. While I was telling her this, her eyes sort of shifted to where she was looking past me over my shoulder, and she got this look that I'll never forget before saying, my name, there's someone standing at the end of our tent. I nearly wet myself in that moment. I really did not want to look, but I knew I had to, so I turned around and saw the silhouette of a man standing just on the other side of the tree that the top line to our shelter was tied to. I remember the first kid asking me, what do we do? And the only thing that I could think of was to wake up everyone to my right and pull them all as tight as we could inside of our shelter. And so that's what we did. We all stayed up, packed together like sardines listening to this thing circle our shelter for hours until we each finally fell asleep. It wasn't until the next morning that we found out that a couple of kids that had lagged behind at the ruins the day before took pieces of pottery and hid them in their sleeping bags. We immediately made them return them and apologize and we never had anything like that happen again after that. I'll be honest though, I don't know if it scares me more to think that it was paranormal or that there was actually a man in our camp that deep in a national park in the winter like that in the dead of night. When I was a kid, probably around 12 to 13, my mum moved out to this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. 
Like, well, we couldn't get internet middle of nowhere. It was a property with 13 acres, a dilapidated barn and horse corral that had overgrown weeds, and of course the main farmhouse. At night, there were no lights other than the one in the front yard to show that our electricity was working. My room had a window that faced the horse corral. Now one night, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was a full moon and I looked out of my window. And beside one of the fence posts of the corral, there was a, a girl standing there. She was wearing a nightgown and rubber boots. She was facing my window. From there, things seemed to get worse as well. The TV that we had in our basement would turn on and off randomly. My mum would hear an old radio playing in the middle of the night. My stepmom would go out to the barn to smoke and one time she was in there, she heard a girl say her name. She thought that it was me but at that time I was at my dad's house in the city. When I would wake up in the middle of the night to pee or to get some water or whatever, I would feel like someone was watching me. If I looked into our living room, it felt like someone was watching me through the window. One day, my stepmom and I were walking down the hallway, and we both saw a nightgown go down into the bathroom. When we went to go and check, no one was in there. This all came to a head though one night when I woke up randomly again in the middle of the night. I used to keep my room door open and it would look out to the hallway of our house. I was laying in bed, unable to fall back asleep, when, as clear as day, I heard a girl whisper my name. At first, I thought that it was a noise that my sheets made when I moved. I tried recreating the noise, but it didn't work. Then I looked out into the hallway, and standing in my doorway was a dark figure of a girl wearing a nightgown. I stared at it, unable to move, I turned on my bedside lamp and when I did, nobody was there. It honestly took everything in my body to run down the hallway into my mum's room where I slept for the night but eventually I got there. For unrelated reasons, we moved out of the house shortly after that, which to be honest, at that point, I was very grateful for. My family moved around a lot when I was a child, mainly due to my dad's job. We moved four to five times before I was six years old. My mum wanted some stability for the family, which at this point comprised of her, my dad, myself, and my younger brother. So in 1994, my old man went and bought an old derelict farm that was situated in a rural area in the southwest of the UK, a mile from the nearest village and a quarter mile from our neighbours. He purchased it at a property auction and we had no prior viewing, just the pictures on display at the auction house. This place was really old and comprised of a few large fields and two interconnected yards filled with outbuildings and a derelict house. It had been a working farm in various forms for 500 years or so and the house itself was 250 years old. We spent a year living elsewhere whilst the renovations took place but would often go there at weekends to run around and play. The first day we entered the dusty, half-collapsed, two-story house, we realized that the previous occupants had left loads of their stuff behind. The house had been vacated 25, maybe 30 years prior. Everything was dusty, moldy, and falling to pieces. Some of the highlights, though, were dressing tables filled with old clothes and makeup, 
A wall in one room was plastered with rosettes, one in a queen competitions, and hanging from the banister at the top of the stairs were a row of small string nooses covered in fur. It's a barbaric but not uncommon way for farm folk to get rid of unwanted kittens, apparently. Now, this wasn't paranormal in any way, but man, it was an unnerving thing to see in an already creepy looking house. It would take far too long to list everything that happened, so I'll just try to list some highlights below before ending with what I consider to be the strongest occurrence that happened there. So, we had loud bangs, loud enough to make you think that someone had tipped over a wardrobe or something. Footsteps running up and down the long wooden hallway were common. Cold spots and breezy points throughout the house that changed from day to day. One night, my grandparents were house-sitting, and before they went to bed, they did a quick look check. One room at the end of the house was filled with thick mist. It was a clear night. All doors and windows were shut, and the mist was exclusive to that room. They just noped it out of there and stayed at their own place that night. But the next day, everything was back to normal. After living there for six months, my mum actually called the village priest in to bless the place. We weren't a religious family by any means, but she was really at a loss about how to cope with everything. Priest arrived and then proceeded to sprinkle holy water in every room of the house. Once that was done, Mum walked out to his car and as soon as they got out of the house, he turned to her and said, There's an incredibly dark presence in this house and I'm never setting foot here again. I don't know what to suggest. I'm really sorry, but good luck. And then he got into his car and just sped off. He had apparently been fairly neutral during the blessings, but as soon as he got out of that house, he went pale and his whole demeanor changed instantly. Things got a lot more chill after a medium came around and told mum to kind of embrace it, which she did. But there was always this nagging feeling that we were just never alone there. It didn't feel malevolent, but it felt sort of observational and sometimes sad in a sort of wistful way. Still very strange, but anyway, the weirdest thing that happened actually occurred during the renovation phase. Dad and his work crew had removed all of the old possessions from the house and made a huge bonfire in the yard. They burned it over the course of a few days until it was just a steaming pile of ash. The following weekend, my mum took me and my bro over for a picnic and run around. We were feral little things and needed it. At one point, mum sat in the chair not far from the bonfire and noticed an envelope on the big mound of ash. And despite being in the center of this pile... The envelope had inexplicably not burned up. Mum could tell that there was something heavier than paper in the envelope and when she opened it up, an amethyst crystal dropped out along with a letter. The date on the letter was sometime in the early 60s and was written by the childhood sweetheart of a girl who had lived at the house with her parents. It was a letter of condolence to the parents because it turns out the girl had sadly committed suicide in her room when she was around the age of 18. Her ex-boyfriend had heard about it and sent the parents a really sweet letter expressing his love, grief, and condolences. He also sent the amethyst crystal as that was apparently the girl's favorite stone. My bedroom had been the girl's room apparently. This was evident from the contents when we first got there. My wardrobe was in the corner by the window looking out over the farm. 
I could never linger there for too long because that part of the room just felt really unpleasant and sort of tense, I guess. I've since wondered if that's the spot where the girl took her life or not. And while the story of the letter isn't very paranormal, the fact that the letter survived the bonfire is just kind of crazy to me. And obviously the contents and all is a bit weird too. So, yeah, we lived there for six years or so and then moved again after my parents split up. The house has changed hands at least twice in the last 20 years. I live about two hours from this place nowadays and my girlfriend and I are really tempted to go and visit and see how it's going. And I mean, I'm sure the owners would just love to be regaled with odd anecdotes about the property, right? Just to clarify too... Aside from the weird feelings and the random bangs and noises, my brother and I were largely unaware of things that happened there. We were only told later in life, thank the Lord, because honestly, if I had known that at that time, I would have been an absolute mess. So, for starters, I live near the Appalachian Mountains, which honestly makes this probably more disturbing. I'm a pretty avid runner. I've been quitting a lot of bad habits lately and exercise just does the trick for me. I have a greenway behind my house that I go on run or bike rides on. It's very beautiful and during the day plenty of people are there as well. Well, about a week ago I ran through the greenway to stop by a friend's house and grab something. By the time I got back onto the greenway, the sun was already starting to set and the path was getting dark. As I was walking back through the path, I had my flashlight on and kept looking around me. I felt paranoid being alone in the dark, but as I was walking, I distinctly remember hearing my grandma's voice call my name into the tree line. It sounded so real and normal that I turned around instantly, only to immediately go cold realizing that my grandma was dead. This freaked me out, but... I tried my best to somewhat convince myself that I was just hallucinating because I was paranoid. Only uh, about a minute later I turned around behind me with my flashlight out of fear and that was when I saw it. It looked like a, a grey blob, pretty much just like a human sprinting at you full speed in the pitch black. I screamed and I don't think I've ever run so fast in my life. When I got back home... I tried to laugh it off as just me seeing stuff and just being a little scaredy cat. But about a week later and I still could not stop thinking about it. It sounded so real. I mean, I heard her voice clear as day and the person chasing me looked so real as well. I've heard all of those stories about skinwalkers and while I doubt their existence... My experience was so similar to that of skinwalker encounters that I'm seriously beginning to question myself. What do you guys think? Is it possible my brain was just hallucinating out of fear and anxiety or is there something more to this? I'm from the UK and way back in 2016, when the whole killer clown epidemic was huge, I was walking through the woods at around 10pm alone in order to get to a party or a gathering that was happening in a secluded part of the forest. It was almost pitch black and 
I could barely see in front of me besides the flash of my phone and everything seemed normal as I was walking to the party. I got to a long stretch of woods with no defined path but it was the quickest way to the party so I took it. As I got around maybe midway through I heard something to my left. I turned and saw a shadowy figure sat on a fallen log. I was understandably unnerved but I couldn't make out if it was just shadows from the moonlight or if it was an actual person. I made the mistake of shining my phone light directly at it and I was instantly terrified. Sat there, alone in the middle of the woods in complete darkness, was a largish man, dressed as a clown, with full face paint and sporting the creepiest smile imaginable. I tried to call five different people as I was passing him and then I heard him get up behind me. I instantly started sprinting towards the end of the long stretch onto a path which had a barbed wire fence down the side of it. During the sprint, I was pretending to be on the phone with one of my friends and I could hear him running after me but there was no chance in heck that I would be turning around to see if I was right. When I got to the path, I jumped over the fence as fast as I could and sliced my hands open as I did so. I turned around and kept running backwards as I saw the clown stood behind the fence just staring at me and smiling. I didn't stop running until I got to the party and I was scared for a very long time after this too. You have to bear in mind that there were so many rumors of people being killed by people dressed as clowns at that time and while I will never know if the man had evil intentions or was just trying to scare me, it was still extremely strange and scary to live through. So first, uh, a bit of context. My cousin was tragically murdered not too long ago, and in the days leading up to this horrific event, his nieces and nephews had some inexplicable experiences. One of his nieces, visibly upset, was found crying and clutching a photograph of him, telling her mum how much she missed him on the very day that he was murdered. It was as though she knew something terrible was about to happen. Another niece had a chilling encounter as well. The night of his murder, she claims to have seen a shadow dart across her room. She described it as a swift, unexplainable presence that sent shivers down her spine. But perhaps the most puzzling incident involved one of our nephews. Out of the blue, he started yelling, No, I don't want anyone from my family to die, repeatedly, without any apparent trigger or context. It was as if he was sensing something that we couldn't. We couldn't help but wonder if these strange occurrences were somehow connected to my cousin's murder. It almost felt as though he was saying a final goodbye to the newest generation of her family, visiting each of them before departing this world in a, a really tragic way. I'm wondering though, has anyone else experienced or heard of similar bizarre events surrounding the murder of a loved one? It's as if the boundaries between this world and the next are thinner than we might think. And these unexplained phenomena really only add to the mystery. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. 
Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.